Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. Brian Lamar here as long, along with uh, Brian Peterson. Hello, Brian. Hello, how are you? Doing all right. I feel like we're turning into fall. The last two like weeks it. for sure. It, we yeah. went from like 70s, 80s to like 40, 50s, like overnight. Don't like it. Not one bit. Don't like it. Oh, see, I, I'm good with it. It feels I, – I was tired of the heat. I'm okay with the fall temperatures. Um, yeah, I just don't like, like it when it – it's like tropical Canada right now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've we're in playoff football right now, and I'm not enjoying going to the games that are like ten, eleven o'clock in the morning and it's forty degrees. Not a big fan of that, but I like early fall where it's like, you know, forty, fifty in the morning and seventy in the afternoon. You have to worry about layers. I like that, but yesterday. Uh, you're talking yesterday. Yeah, like yesterday yeah, it got nice. to like sixty-eight. Beautiful day. I don't like the um, anticipation of winter. It's already dark by seven. We have time change soon, and it's just dreary weather ahead for the next few months, and not a lot of daylight. Right. Yeah. It it is that. I mean, coming when I go into the office now, it's dark. Yeah. Um, I'm not looking forward to the points where it's dark going in and dark leaving because that's always depressing. Yes. Well. Hey, tell us about your fall stories. If you have any fall events, <laughs> reach out to us. Telecast at emi-rs.com. You can follow us on Twitter, emi underscore research, or Telecast one You can leave us a text, 513-401-5463. I spent 10 minutes doing a little homework for the podcast. I know. You told me. Want to talk a little bit about conferences? Sure. Um, events? We should say this prefacing it in. We still have a few going on for the rest of this year. I mean, you have TMRE oh. and CRC, the big ones. Oh, I'm, then, getting ready to go through, I'm getting ready to go through everything. I mean, they're releasing 2024 schedules now, so. Oh, yeah. Quarks Virtual is going on right now. Are you doing any of that? I am not, no, unfortunately. I know you have been trying to attend as much as you can. Yeah, so Quarks is doing a whole two-day virtual AI. It's free. It's really cool. Um I haven't intended much because I know they're going to send out presentations. But, you know, artificial intelligence is all the rage right now. We'll probably do an episode about that soon. Speaking of AI, tonight, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be old news. Um, We have a Wire and Inside Association event at TQL Stadium in downtown Cincinnati, which is TQL Stadium is the home of the FC Cincinnati Soccer Club that just won the Supporters Shield, which means they have the best record in the league. They're kind of the champions. And our own Mary Draper will be speaking about data quality and artificial intelligence, which is exciting. She's on a panel with Mike Harrell, a friend of the podcast. Um, maybe this episode will make his best of list for the fourth, fourth quarter. Let's hope there were so. no market research ones on his last best of. So yeah, we'll talk about soccer, um, data quality, um, children. <laughs> um, also, Rudy Bublitz is on that panel. Who works at Code at Software? And then they're also talking about diversity and inclusion. So it's kind of a combined event, Wire Artificial Intelligence. Really cool. Pretty excited about it tonight. Excited for Mary. It's her first time really speaking in front of people in public outside of a client. Yeah, I know she was a little nervous this morning. Super nervous. We had to to get her off a ledge. She's going to be great. She's awesome. Yeah, she she gets a little nervous at webinar time too, and then it goes off without a hitch, and it's fine. Right. So. Right. You mentioned TMRE. That's in Denver, October 23rd to 25th. That's next week. Very soon. Wish I was there. Um, I've only been to TMRE once, though. It's huge. It's giant. It's just cost, you know, it's expensive. Um, and then a big one. 
Corporate Researchers Conference in Chicago, November first through third. Um, that's a. I wish I was going to that one too. I think I'm going to try to get that on my budget for next year. Um, our chapter is sponsoring a happy hour at Fieldwork on October thirty first. So Halloween, come to Fieldwork. It's free if you are a North Central and Science Association member or you're going to CRC. Um, it's limited. Um, and I know it's pretty close to being full. I think 50, 60 people had already registered. I will say the Fieldwork building in downtown Chicago is very nice, and they always put out a good spread. Just if, if you needed something else to look forward to or a reason to go, they will. they always do it really well. Yes, I know what our budget was. I know what our menu is, and it's going to be very good. Um, so I'd recommend attending. Um, speaking of that, December 7th, that's our uh, North Central Insight Association holiday event. And I don't know if that's been announced in every city, but it'll be in Cincinnati, Minneapolis, Indianapolis, Detroit, and Chicago the same night, December 7th. Um, I'm not even sure what it'll be in Cincinnati. We've got people taking care of that. But it's a fun event. It's free. We have a big budget for that, too. So if you're into those markets, maybe put that on your calendar, save the date. I think Chicago and that's the location. CEO Summit next year, January 22nd, 24th in Hollywood, Florida. QRCA, January 22nd through 25th, Denver. A little compete competition going on there. Mm-hmm. Works Dallas, February 28th and 29th. It's weird. Uh, I have a question February on 29th. that. Are, are we just now re- is that third one they started this year, which was LA? Are they just gonna call it whatever city it's in now? It's not like because it used to be East West. And then they would have one in the East End and the West and it kind of moved around in each of those groups. Then they kind of stuck it in Chicago and New York for East West. Yeah. And now then they had LA. So then it was kind of like East West Central. Yeah. But now are they, it's Dallas, just going to be the names now. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I think it sounds to your point. I think it sounds like Chicago and New York are staples and they're mm-hmm. trying to find maybe a permanent Western option. I think Dallas is a great location. They already so said there. They already said that it's going back to LA for 2025. Oh, so well, maybe they're just trying to feel out some different locations, moving around. That's maybe a floater. But maybe. I think Dallas would be a great spot for a, a conference. There's so much there. Big city, big airport. It's easy to get to. Um, I don't know. Interesting though. And then SampleCon. Oh, this is the one I wanted to talk about. Announced today, SampleCon which I haven't been to in a few years since I moved to LA. And I knew it was going to be on the East Coast, so I'm like, I'm definitely going. And then here's <laughs> March 11th through 13th on yep. Lake Oconee, Georgia. I, ha- the I first will be time- honest, yeah. I had to Google where the hell that was. <laughs> Me too. That's the first time I think I've ever had to Google where a conference location was. I was like, is that north of Atlanta? No, it's like south um, east of Atlanta, about an hour and a half kind of in between Atlanta and Athens, Georgia, um, on a lake. It's a beautiful hotel. It's a Ritz-Carlton resort, um, but a little bit odd. I wouldn't say odd, like a different location, March 11th mm-hmm. 13th, and Lake – I don't even know what to call it, Lake Oconee, Georgia, I guess. Um, so make your plans to go there. I'll probably go, to be honest with you. I'll probably try to go because I have a lot of people in Atlanta I want to see. It's near Athens, Georgia. I'll probably try to – Get over there and maybe make speak it a to a week-long trip. Yeah, maybe I'll make it a week-long thing. But it just kind of came out of nowhere. I was expecting New York or Boston or D.C. or Miami. And here, Lake Oconee, Georgia. All right, let's go. Yeah. Court Chicago, March 26th through 27th. IA Annual Conference, April 8th through 10th. That's Atlanta. 
um, IEX North America, where you were at this year. I was back in not Austin. In, back in Austin, April 17th and 18th. And then, uh, oh, if you live in Cleveland, there's nobody listening to this one, I'm assuming, right? It's just us talking? It's just us talking. Um, if you live in Cleveland, put May 9th on your calendar. <laughs> there, there's likely something happening May 9th. I can't be too loud about it. I don't want to, I don't want everybody to know. But people in Cleveland on May 9th, there's probably something happening. <laughs> we'll get into it later. Yeah, yeah. It, this might be announced at some point, but May 9th in Cleveland. I would maybe make a plan to go there. Here we'll say Cle- Cleveland for us is an easy drive. I'll give it that. I've made it lots of times. My in-laws used to live there. Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Yeah. Vitamix. Cleveland Clinic. There's a lot going on in Cleveland. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And a special event maybe March, May 9th. Should we move on? That I was a lot, should. right? Yeah, that was a lot of conferences. It. Yeah. I mean, they all weird. are in, all announcing their 2024 schedules now, which I kind of like because sometimes they would do – years ago, they would only do it a right. few months in advance, and it was hard to plan. You kind of like, I guess it's this kind of time frame, but now, like, you have a – it's – October 19th and 90% of them have put their times out now. So, well, one thing about insights association, which is a challenge and also a benefit is that you have to request your dates for your conference, which is relatively new prior. The chapter could kind of pick any date. And um, we usually pick the first week in September. Well, now the insights association is um, kind of coordinating all the events. And the, I think the purpose of it is to, not have too many events too close together and not to compete with each other. Yep. So they wouldn't want like a um, Northeast chapter conference the same time as North Central maybe, right? Right. Because right. a lot of people would have to pick where you're going. Um, but it's also a challenge because there's so many conferences. So I think because of that, a lot of, and I'm sure other conferences are doing similar things. They don't want to compete. They're kind of getting ahead of early. So I can look at this calendar through the Insight Association and, I can tell you tons of events. I know, you know, so we don't compete. I We picked, you know, certain dates that I may have just mentioned that no one's supposed to know about because of this calendar, which looked like it was open. Um, but it's kind of cool that you can kind of get ahead of it and start planning really far in advance if you um, get ahead of it, right? So our yep. chapter fall conference next year will likely be in Detroit. But we could go ahead and probably pick a date now, and we probably should, so no one else will take it. And then you really get a leg up in planning. This is kind of a little um, how the sausage is made in conference planning. A little bit, yeah. Which I just became a crash course expert on. Um, Yeah, yeah, to your point, people are announcing a lot earlier than they used to. It used to be three months' notice. Now it's like a year and a half sometimes. I I remember doing the planning. Like I think it's May, June-ish. Based right. on last year, and then it'll come right. out. Oh, it's March this year. Cool. Right. Yeah. Um, news episode. Yes, we haven't done one of these in a little while. We have a lot of news, I think. We we got some big stories in here. Yeah. Um, first one is hitting on our data privacy legislation stuff. California yeah. has passed the quote delete act, an act that strengthens CCPA regulations. The new act allows for consumers to remove their personal data from records of multiple companies with a single request on a single web page 
that the California Privacy Protection Agency will be setting up. Um, I guess the silver lining of this maybe is that the act does not go into effect until January 2026. So we have two or three plus years before this takes an impact. But I can see this being a model for other states, kind of like how CCPA was. Yes. Well, one good thing about California is you can kind of follow what they're doing, and that's going to be the strictest, at least till, it, it'll till get today, you ninety five percent of the way. Yeah. If you know if you know GDPR and you know CCPA in California, you're probably pretty good um, in the U.S. It's kind of interesting, but you know they said an estimated five hundred data brokers in California. The, the need to request this of firms individually makes this process quite impractical. So that's why it's taking you know three years yeah. to put this together. Um, so interesting. I, I think this is good. You know, for people who live in California, this is fantastic. Right? I get makes it I easy. Guess, how does it impact companies that maybe are not based in California, but you have California residents? I, I am not up to date on my state legislation. That would not apply. What's even more interesting is if you want to delete, use the delete act, whatever you're calling it, with companies in California, but you're not a California resident, which I've done in the past <laughs> with various California companies who removed yep. myself from their databases, and they did it. You know, I asked Facebook, for example. Um, I want to know everything you know about me, and I did the same thing for other companies in California, and they did it. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't ask where I lived or anything. They just did it. it. It's probably easier just to do it than to go, well, where do you live? Oh, well, oh, you're in Ohio. Never mind. That just takes more right. resources rather than just uh, just do right. it for everybody. So that's probably what I'll be doing January 1st of uh, 2026. I'll be testing the system out. I can see some impact to this on panel side, don't you? Um. Yes, because if you can delete yourself from everything – you know, probably some of those you should delete yourself from, and others maybe you shouldn't. Some of them might be something that's benefiting society, such as research. Yeah, I don't, yeah. you know, I guess we'll be in there included. I don't know, but yeah, it'll impact a lot of things. That that's probably that's another reason why it takes so long to do this is that now all the people trying to figure out the details and see how it impacts them and then adjust it. They have plenty of time to do that. So they did that when they first initiated this too. It took like three years to to really be implemented and then changed it a couple times. Yeah. So I expect the same. Hopefully we don't get, you know, the raw end of the deal here. Right. Well, I, I mean, Howard's guaranteed his job here for at least the next few years. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Love now, Howard. Yes. Next up is a big story for us and everyone in the sample industry. Research Defender was acquired by Rep Data. As part of the deal, uh, friends of the podcast and just friends of EMI, Vignesh Krishnan will become Rep Data's chief technology officer. Matt Gerstner will be their new chief marketing and strategy officer, and Dan Fletcher will be their VP of client success. All three people we've worked with. Yeah, so it's kind of cool that we have such a good relationship with Vignesh, and he reached out to us to give us a heads up, really. To- test it, the temperature of this, which we're th- this is great for Big Nash and it's great for yeah. the research defender people who we do really know. One of the great things that Rep Data is doing, they're keeping them all, you won't notice a lot if, if you're a customer, right? 
um, which is great because we love the team. Uh, they've been great to work with. And Big Mesh is really involved in a lot of the industry stuff too. He's willing to kind of lift up the industry and, and um, a little peek behind the curtain um, to us novices to help us get better. And um, so kudos to him and that team for, for um, this is a great, I think it's, it seems like a good partnership. I don't know the rep data people very well, uh, very well, but I know Patrick and, you know, they're smart people. They, they haven't been around very long, but if they're buying Resource Defender, they're, they're being pretty successful. Um, I think Patrick Comer might have been involved in both those companies, so he might have, he might still be lingering out there. I don't know. You know, he's got a, he had a lot of money to spend, so he's probably you know doing some small investments in New Orleans. He's Mr. New Orleans. So. Well, Rep Data got a some series – I forget what series, but some investor hey. money as part of like a few months prior to this. So Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, now we have, you know, the good thing in data quality, we have lots of different options and they compete with each other. That's what we want. And so the sample chain or resource defender people will be competing with the clean ID and the Imperiums. Um, and so hopefully should lift the industry up. But again, happy for Vignesh. I don't, I don't, we don't anticipate any disruption. In fact, this will probably be an improvement. Um, this doubles their technology team, for example, and I think they can put some more money in innovation and artificial intelligence, and that's a good thing too. Yep. Next up, the Insights Consultancy Verve and Full Service Agency Basis have formed formed a global partnership to develop an initiative called "quote Collab" to address the growing respondent quality problem. They claim that their new initiative, Collab, presents a departure from access panels to ensure respondents are. authentic in the first place. This approach borrows from the community panel model where all respondents are recruited from. What do you think? Um, Interesting. Uh, We know data quality is a challenge and sample, and this is a different approach. And um, I don't know how it'll be tough to scale. So what they're going to do is basically verify every single person by probably calling them on the phone or using a lot of really probably expensive third-party platforms that will really confirm who they are. And a lot of communities do that. And if they're going to do that in a kind of a quant panel, this will be a great little test because, you know, most panels are now recruiting in mass numbers with programmatic um, ability with APIs and they can grow pretty quickly. Now, we, we're going to have fraudulent activity and people that get in there. We know that. We've accepted that as an industry. If they can pull this off and say, hey, 100% of our respondents are authentic. We've called them. We have talked to them with a phone center. We have verified their ID. We know their bank account number. We know everything about them. That will be kind of a game changer. So I'm really interested to see how this happens. I don't really know them very well, but I'm pretty excited to see how it happens. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a little bit. Yeah. I am curious on what their essentially screening process is or verification process. Cause I mean, you, we've mentioned AI to begin with. I mean, there's J- chat GPT. Are you linking it in to do survey responses? I mean, we just, there was a news story a couple of weeks ago that now chat, G- you can just talk to chat GPT and have conversations with it. Yeah. Like, there's going to be some, and I'm going to call it industrious yes. person that's going to set it up. You're going to sign up a, a ton of Google phone numbers 
just have it run through and have it just start talk, create profiles from chat GPT and just have it communicate through that. So how can you get around that? And this is how I'm playing devil's advocate to that piece. Yeah. Clearly, I don't know the answer to that, but yeah, right. you're right. Um, that's probably very complex how they're doing it, but they have been running communities. And so right. my, my guess is they've figured out a way to do that in a small scale with communities, both short-term, long-term, and they're taking that same technology and hopefully going to a large quant panel. I think that's great. If they can, again, if they can pull this off, that's fantastic. But um, perhaps in the communities, the people committing the fraud haven't really tried to circumvent their processes, right? They right. haven't done what you said, and you know, a million things that we don't know of because we're not hackers um, to circumvent it and join the panel. And now maybe they will. I don't know, but. I think it's really going to test it. It's going to test um, them and test us as an industry to respond to it if they're successful. So anything people are doing, if they're a tech company, a sample company, a competitor, a partner, a client, I love it. They're trying something different. I haven't heard anybody do this before. So I'm a big fan of it. Love. <laughs> you know what we should do, Brian? Have them on. We should have them on. We should have them on the podcast. You read my mind. Hopefully somebody from, um, you know, Andrew Cooper, he's the founder and CEO of Earth. Um, he's mentioned in this article. I'd love to have him on. So um, collab people, we'd love to have you on and talk more. What, what did Brian and I say that was dumb? <laughs> you can clean up. Right. <laughs> Come on and talk about it. In my, in my example of being devil advocate, was I just talking out my ass? Right. So. Are we talking like it's 1997? Yeah. Or Who is knows? 2023A high that much better? We don't right. know. We're just here having a conversation, reading the news to you people. You expect experts? Here I am going on. A... <laughs> We're trying. No, but good yeah. luck to them. Good luck to them. I hope they pull it off, honestly. Because yeah, we need it. Here. Yeah. It's a it's a vastly different approach. You combine it with some other stuff. I mean Yeah. It's gonna be expensive. <laughs> I know that much. And deservedly so. If they can go out and say this is 100% verified people, and here's how we did it, A, B, C, and D, 100%, and they, like, you know, bold, underline, 100% exclamation. Um, people will pay for it. Yeah. I think they will. I think you're going to have it from both ends. You're going to have panel companies pay for it and firms, like, are you using this as a – are you verified through X, Y, Z? Yeah. So. So go team. Switching gears back to data privacy, um, this time on a national level, a new data privacy act has been introduced in Congress called You Own the Data Act. The proposed legislation would prohibit a lot of data collection, use, and storage by a number of insights companies and organizations, as well as require several common consumer data privacy rights. It would also not preempt conflicting state laws. Kind of key there. Howard Feinberg, our friend there at the Insights Association and the Insights Association's key lobbyist, stated in the Insights Association's formal position on the legislation that the new act would not be among the worst potential federal privacy legislation. However, it would also not be a good one since it would not preempt any of the conflicting patchwork of state laws, and it does not clearly identify regulatory authority and would allow for private le- litigation um i love his comment there of it's not the worst he's seen but i mean you read between lines it's kind of it's getting there (laughs) um that's fantastic first of all howard i'm so glad i met you know we were on the podcast and i met him in person 
he's just a gem for our industry. Um, this is complicated, and, and I, I agree with... I have so much to say, I think. First off, yeah. Yoda Act, what a great name for an act, right? So whoever did that, that's a good name. Perhaps that person should be involved in naming other things. The only thing they missed was to introduce it on May the 4th. Oh, that's one point for Brian Peterson. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Michael Cloud, he's a rep- state representative in Texas, introduced this um, as a federal law. And I think part of what Howard's saying is um, we can do all the federal laws we want, but states are going to trump it. We know that from recent Supreme Court decisions and probably future Supreme Court decisions that um, it's not in the Constitution. They're probably going to say it's not legal. And so I think people are trying to get ahead of it a little bit. Um, and so I'm glad that that doesn't think it's the worst legislation, but he is kind of caveating it. You know, if it passes, it's still, you still gonna have to understand what the state's doing. Right. So it's progress. Um, I don't think there's going to be a constitutional amendment for data privacy, but maybe there will be, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Unless they somehow tie it into overall privacy. Yeah, that, that's possible. That's the position um, you have to take. Yeah, if, if there's a, uh, data ownership similar to this, I would. You know, I'd like to see a constitutional amendment passed, wouldn't you? What's yeah, the you last could, time it was passed? You could honestly, you could tie it into the right to privacy. In that. Yeah, and I think most people would get behind it. Um, it'd be interesting to see. You know, we haven't talked about constitutional amendments in so long, and my civics class is a long time ago. I think it's been. A long, it's been a very long time since we had a constitutional amendment. I don't know, yep. at least 30, 40 years. So let's 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 root for some sort of privacy and data ownership act. Yoda. Never happened that way. No, probably not. Next up, we have some award winners we want to talk about. Don Carr, the CEO and founder of Mahogany Insights. And friend of the podcast, Sequoia Glenn, the principal consultant at 924 Cooperative, have been named the winners of the Female Founders Award from the MRII and No Research. Um, fantastic. Huge fan of Sequoia. She's just amazing. I know you've met her too, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so super happy for them, first off. Well-deserved. I'm glad we're awarding them. Happy for MRII and No Research also. So this is a newer award um, sponsorship that No um, has been part of, and I think this is fantastic. What a great way to recognize people, cash grant to support continued growth and innovation, and well-deserving people. So I think there's everybody wins here. MRI wins, No Research wins, um, and obviously the individuals that won the award, Don Carr, Sequoia Glenn, awesome people, and so really happy for them. And you know. There's lots of, by the way, there's lots of awards like this as being part of MRI and Insight Association. If you think people are deserving of an award, there is lots of ways to nominate them. It's through WIRE, through Insight Association, through MRII, through SMR. I'm missing probably a lot of stuff. We do a good job of recognizing people in our industry. Like, I think I gave away maybe nine awards at our Minneapolis Fall Conference. And it was fantastic. It was one of the best things I've experienced. Like, it's really cool to receive an award among your peers. I know you received an award this year. Um, It's just really cool, right, to be recognized for hard work. And um, so I'm really happy for them. I'm happy for industry. And I would encourage people to nominate people. 
Brian's probably nominating more people than anyone in the history of all this stuff. You're really good at it, at nominating people, recognizing um, people that have done things. So I'll thank you for that. And um, I don't know why I went off on that, but uh, I think it's really cool that we're recognizing people to summarize. Yeah, I agree. Um, to keep the award conversation going and no research, Trip, the Research Inclusion Project podcast, hosted by NOS founder Katrina Noel and Kristen Spragans of the Band Consultancy, was named the winner of the 2023 MR Podcast Awards at Insights Marketing Day back at the end of September. And Katrina, yeah, well, I will say that Katrina was on site that day. I was yeah, able to congratulate her in person. Yeah. Um, you had the th- we had the three that they were one of the three finalists. I forget who the other two were, but Katrina was super surprised. She did not think they were going to win. She got lots of congratulations from everyone who was there. Um, and let's be honest, it is well-deserved. There's started this year and has got a very good following. Yes. Um, very different than ours. So go listen to it. Um, we love Katrina. Um, and they do all kinds of cool stuff. You know, they, they even put, they mentioned at a conference a couple of years ago, they put sometimes client reports on a podcast so that their client can listen to it in the car. So they're kind of experienced in this and they're very innovative and so happy for Katrina and that team, um, definitely. And that's awesome that she was there in person. Yep, I agree. All right. Our final, I guess it's not quite a news story. Yeah. And But we do have an article that was posted by Kareen Pepin of 2CV. It was called Why the Sampling Ecosystem Sets Up Honest Participants for Failure. Do you want to just jump right in? This came out what last week, I think. Yeah, I really like this article. You know, um, she's part of the DII initiative, and um, which I love working with people like that. So uh, I found it on it's on LinkedIn. But you know, one of the things that and you put this. Thank you for the summary. Um, set the stage that EPC is the potential root cause for, for professional survey takers and bad actors in the sample. Mm-hmm. I think we've kind of known that, and she she kind of came out with that statement. It's really cool that she did that because the pricing model of sampling is leading to a lot of not just professional survey takers, but I think it makes for a lot of potential bias in survey research. Yep. In addition to that. Well, it also um, makes – um, a chunk of research very difficult to complete yeah. because not everything is eighty yeah. percent right gen pop. It you have very specific audiences people are looking for, and sometimes that is two percent. Yeah. yeah, so I would you know I would read this. I try to read all the data quality articles. There's a lot out there, and people have lots of points of view on it, and uh, most of them I completely agree with, and I'm glad they're saying it. But this is no exception, so. Um, will we link this in the show notes? Yeah, I will put a link to it in the show notes, yes. Okay, awesome. Um, the one thing I found interesting was how she described the how ordinary people are taking surveys. Um, and it goes against that earnings per click mantra because yes. she gave some examples. They're less likely to say yes to satisfier questions, which yes. leads to lower IR. Um, it takes them 20 – a casual survey taker, it takes them 20% longer to take a survey. Well, yeah, because they're yep. probably reading the questions. All right, what are my options? All that. 
someone who takes surveys all the time can breeze through it. Oh, I know this grid question. Right. And then they have a lot less patience. Let's be honest. No kidding. So, oh, a 45 minute survey with 25 open ends. Yeah. No, thanks. Well, we haven't published anything, but we, we, we go back to Research Defender. They have a measure called activity data, which correlates to how many surveys you attempt. And we can, we have looked at differences in similar to what she did with satisfying questions, incidence rates. We look at attitudes and behavior. We look at quality by the number of surveys that you take. So do the people that take, you know, one survey or two surveys, how differently, how different are they from the people that take 20 or 30? Um, and they're very different. And she outlines a couple. We're aware of a lot more. Um, but then yep. to me, it gets to the question, what do you do with them? Like, do we just remove people? We can, I don't know if we have the luxury of doing that. You know, professional respondents, now that we can identify them, do we just remove them? Because we've, we've um, included them unknowingly in our studies for a long time. We haven't had the benefit of knowing how many surveys they took. We didn't. We had no idea of someone by sample how many surveys they took. Now we have an idea, and the industry hasn't determined what we're going to do with it. I have a POV on it. It'll probably be, probably work on that soon. Um, put out something like this with probably a, a point of view on what we should do. Yep. Um, but this is the first time I've seen someone kind of mention this EPC kind of goes against what we're trying to do. And that goes against what a lot of our, our whole ecosystem is doing too. Right. And I know we've talked about earnings per click. I think it was last year. We went, we had a whole series on this and yeah, we kind of talked about why this isn't the best. Yeah. And I mean, we thought it was going to be like a one episode and it turned out to be like six. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wanted want to come on and talk about it. Yeah. Um, but EPC is probably here to stay and that doesn't mean it's good. So we just have right. to deal with it. Well, you're, what essentially we're tr- you're trying to do is balance the business needs yes. versus the research needs, and those yeah. aren't the same. Right. They conflict. Right. The end That's goal high. of a business is to make money. Earnings per click helps you do that. The end yeah. goal of the research is to get the in- uncover the insights, correct? Yeah. And earnings per click doesn't really help you with that, but you need the, the business needs to make money to be able to be able to provide that. Yep. So is I it a necessary evil? That hopefully is not the model for the um, – what's the panel we just talked about 10 minutes ago? Collab. Collab. I doubt Collab is using the EPC model for incentives and, no. and price. That would be another advantage to them. I bet Kay Ring would like that panel. Yeah. We should let her know. We should, we should have her on the podcast, first of all. I, I, I'm pretty sure she's a listener, so. Okay, awesome. Uh, but good article. Go out and read it. It just you know we just have conversations like this. The industry has to figure this out, and this this enables us to have a conversation. Man, I really almost got on a lot of soapboxes today. You did. You you help you kept yourself from going down some rabbit holes today. I'm kind of proud of you. Really close. Yeah. Um. That's it, right? That is all of our stories. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks for listening. Holiday season's coming up. Um, so hopefully we can still crank out some episodes. If you have a topic, a guest, um, any feedback, let us know. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.